Welcome to the Finding Refuge podcast. My name is Michelle Cassandra Johnson, and I am glad you're here. The Finding Refuge podcast emerged from a desire to have conversations about the intersection of grief and liberation. This podcast explores how we can find refuge during unsettling and uncertain times. It features guests from various backgrounds, lineages, and lived experiences. I hope you enjoy listening. Hello friends, we're back with another episode and I am so honored to share today's episode with you. In November of 2021, I had the honor and pleasure of taking an Akashic reading course from a magical human whose name is Rohini Moradi. I first heard about Rohini on the Earthspeak podcast. And there was something so infectious about Rohini's laughter and something so deep about Rohini's wisdom. And I knew I wanted to learn from her. And I'm so glad I did. So let me tell you a little bit more about Rohini. During her childhood, her family traveled throughout India, devoted to a colorful yogic life. Rohini got to experience an upbringing that was centered around a love for their community. Her days were filled with meditation, chanting yoga, and cleansing the body in an effort to grow as a spiritual being. As she traveled throughout India, staying in different temples and volunteering at community events, Rohini got to see and experience the most sacred places in India where most people were not allowed. Today, Rohini is internationally recognized as a teacher of the Akasha and spiritual explorer. Through her revolutionary approach to empowering spiritually curious individuals, Rohini guides her community through a wondrous journey inward so they can experience the awe of a limitless reality. Through the MI community, Magic Inclined, her podcast and her educational opportunities, Rohini makes the wisdom of the Akasha accessible to everyone. I can attest this is absolutely true. I studied the Akasha, read about the Akasha for many years prior to learning about Rohini and her work. And we know that in some new age spaces, spiritual spaces, Sometimes information is presented in an esoteric way, in a way that isn't grounded in reality and our human experience. And what I love about Rohini and Rohini's teaching is there's a merger of the universal spiritual experience with our human experience in these bodies. We dive into all of this during the episode. I hope you enjoy it. Hi, Rohini. I'm so excited to to see you and to um, be in conversation with you today. So thank you for being here. 
Michelle, it's truly, truly, truly my honor. Thank you for having me. I was so excited for the invite. I just love talking with you. So thank you. <laughs> I know. I'm it's it's yeah, my pleasure. And I first learned about you through a different podcast. And I don't know if it was called Earth Speak at that time or if it was still Dream Freedom Beauty, but it was um Natalie's podcast. And yeah. I listened, I know where I was. I was in Richmond. I was going to visit my mom and I was in my car when I listened to the podcast episode where you were talking about the Akasha and Akashic records and, and readings and that, that work. And I, for a long time, I'd been thinking about learning from someone and been interested in the Akasha and heard your interview. And I was like, that is the person I want to learn from. Like it was that oh. And then you talked about your class that was coming up and that's how I found you. Oh my goodness. That was it. I was like, who is this person? <laughs> who is this crazy lady? Um, that was the first podcast interview I ever did. I was so nervous. I was shaking in my boots and it was during the pandemic, as you know. Um, so my house was like total chaos and I was sitting in my garage with like a green screen behind me like hey i'm on my first podcast this is so <laughs> nerve-wracking <laughs> mm-hmm. well that's amazing that wasn't obvious yeah that i couldn't tell you were nervous at all and it, it, it i was like okay this this is this is it i want to learn about i want to like learn how to how to practice and work with the records and um took your course after that and so yeah. What an honor. Thank you so much. And I've taken your courses since then too. And they're all so empowering. So it's the feeling is reciprocated. <laughs> mm-hmm. <laughs> I would love for you to share some about who you are, what you do. We just mentioned the Akashic Records, but some people don't even know what that is. And you can answer who you are, that question in any way you want to answer it. Um, but love to begin with who you are. All right. Well, my name is Rohini and I am the Pujari's daughter. So I like to define myself in this way because I think it really builds the foundation of who I was and am. (laughs) I've been reconnecting with that person again. But I grew up in the only temple um, in Iran, the only Hindu temple, I should say, in Iran during the Muslim revolution. So it was a very colorful upbringing, to say the least. I spent a lot of my childhood traveling all around India and like learning really cool ancient modalities, not thinking it's even special until later in life. I was actually embarrassed of all the stuff I learned and um embarrassed to even share about it when I first moved to the U.S. because the immediate reaction was just like you are different I'm like oh, I know mm-hmm. <laughs> but that 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 same reaction was happening in Iran too because I was just there is no such thing really there wasn't at the time um like a Hindu Iranian like everyone during the Mes- Muslim revolution was like extremely being driven towards like taking up the Muslim religion, anything outside of that was shunned, you know, and that's one of the reasons we moved away. So moved to America in the early 90s. And um, yeah, I've been here since then, kind of 
dove in to the American life as much as I could because I was so afraid of getting judged and ridiculed as we, I think everybody experiences, you know, through upbringing. It's like, oh, if you're different, everyone's different. That's the thing. You're going to get judged for something, right? <laughs> so like, okay, fit in, straighten your hair, like um, dye your hair, wear the clothes, even though we, we came here with like $300, so we didn't have the clothes, and I would wear the same thing every day, which was one of the things that I got made fun of. But <laughs> fast forward to this day and age, um, there was a time, like, uh, let's say when I first turned 30, about 11 years ago now, <laughs> that... Um, we were welcoming our daughter Pele to the world and um, there was this longing within me that I kind of just had shunned, had just kind of put into the darkest corner so that I don't have to be revealed as who I am as this like Hindu Iranian girl, right? But that longing for that person started coming forth because I realized I want to introduce my daughter to my culture and to my upbringing. And um, about four years after that, we visited India because going to Iran is really difficult. And I'm sorry if I'm going in circles because there's no. a lot of stories to tell. Like, Great. I just want to tell you everything. Um, but we did go to India. And this is actually where my journey into what I do now started. Although, like, I sometimes argue that it's been with me since childhood, it's when, like, my brain expanded a bit and the expansion happened um during an astrology reading in rishikesh my mom made sure she's like if you're going to india you got to go to rishikesh and get an astrology reading I'm like okay that was like a fun thing she always did she's like don't really believe what they say it's just for fun you know I'm like okay because <laughs> there's like there are a lot of scammers, but there are a lot of like really amazing astrologers too. So just like, if you get like a scammer type person, like, don't worry, just have fun with it is what she meant. Uh, I ended up getting like a, seeing a really amazing astrologer actually. It was very technical, very studied um, and just amazing. We just got really lucky. But during the astrology reading, he was kind of against doing predictions. He wouldn't read our daughter's chart because she was young. She's like, no, she's too young. Like, you don't want to read the chart mm -hmm. of like a child, you know, there's ethics there. And I'm like, okay, well, why? I didn't understand then. Um, but he read my husband and my chart up until the point that we were at like he didn't do like you are going to be this 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 we had to kind of like pull it out of him so everything he was saying about our lives he's like okay at this age this happened this age this happened that was very validated and it was like mind-blowing and at the end we're like okay can you just look at our chart like and let us know like you know just maybe what our future holds will we have another child something like that and he's like I'm really hesitant to ever do that, but if you're talking about like having another child, I see like a very faint line, and the line looks like it may be, um, if you were to have another child, it would be a girl, you know, and prior to this, like we really had, it, it was just like a fun question we asked, mm -hmm. and we really hadn't thought about adding to our family at this point, so it was, it shook something within us. We went... <laughs> 
and we went to our hotel rooms and we started just like crying and I called my mom like mom he said there's like a chance we could have like another child and it would be a girl and like all this stuff and she's like I told you don't take it seriously like it's just for fun why are you crying right now <laughs> like something woke up I don't know what it was but something woke up we went we came back to the states and after like a month or so, we're like, I think we want to like, we want to do this. We, maybe that's why we had this reaction. We want to have another child. So lo and behold, nine months later, um, our daughter Rishi was born. And the way like her name came about too, I was sitting in the bathtub one night, like just super pregnant, trying to figure out like a, a gender neutral name because we didn't, we didn't find out if it was going to be a boy or a girl. It was going to be a surprise. I read off so many names and I, my husband's like in the kitchen. He's like, no, 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 no. <laughs> and finally, I'm like, how about Rishi? And he's like, yes. Like, that's the one I really like too. It just kind of happened. Mm. We're like, okay, that's the name. And because it's, you know, it could be a girl's name or a boy's name. It's really meant for a boy, but it just works for a, a girl's name too. Um, and then, yeah, so she's born we're so happy. We had like a really difficult birth actually where her breath stopped and my breath stopped. And I was like, I talk about it like it's nothing because it didn't feel like a significant thing. I was just more excited about meeting Rishi than anything. But I was like out of body during like the loss of breath. And I actually didn't even like process that that's what happened to me until like two years later where I was like, I was out of my body, like mm -hmm. looking at myself because it was just like constant shock at that point, you know, she was, she was born um, a couple times, like as I held her, she would lose her breath. And um, unfortunately, two months later, while she was sleeping, she lost her breath and never recovered from it. And um, that's the point where everything accelerated and started and anyone would be shaken up and like traumatized by something like that happening. Um, but the way it happened for us was very unique. And I talk about it like in a different way, you know, as a matter of fact way of events happening because a part of my recovery has been to not silence that part of myself, to not hold it in so it doesn't eat me up. Um, but now as, as I'm talking, I'm like, I sound like it's like, whatever, but it's not whatever. So I just want to mm -hmm. <laughs> point that out. It is a very hard thing to get past, but that significant moment in time broke me in half, turned me into a puddle and I had to rebuild myself from the ground up. Lucky for us, we started having, um, connections with the other side. And every time I talk about this, I'm like, um, it's possible that I'm crazy, but it happened through an You're outside not. source. Well, I mean, we're all a little crazy, but it, it happened through an outside source. It was um, my husband's sister's husband's coworker who started communicating with a very grand spirit on the other side for us. She started having dreams when she didn't know us. And um, these dreams were uh, being guided by 
um, a sage that we didn't even know about um, by the name of Ananda Maima. And she brought three really significant dreams to this woman who shared them with us and put us on the biggest adventure journey of our lifetime where we followed all the instructions of these dreams because we so happened to be in the exact places that the dreams were being had. And through her is where I found out about the Akasha or Akashic records. I would see the Akashic records pop up like everywhere. And this is at a time like this is before the pandemic where they were even more popular. You know, there was like three yeah. or, four, or four articles like <laughs> online, maybe like a couple really weird videos where you're like, what is this thing? <laughs> and then, um, so I had to kind of like really investigate. I read all the books that I could and eventually started being able to tap into this energy so that I can investigate on my own. And for those of you who don't know what the Akashic Records are, the best way I could describe them is that they are the fabric, the womb from which everything comes from before manifestation. It is all the vibrational frequencies of the universe before they are manifested and then recycled, so on and so forth. So this part, this thing, the Akasha, is something that lives within all of us in the deepest part of us where the particles of the universe like you are a particle of the mm -hmm. universe like reside and you can access information from your soul's journey from past to future and all of that fun stuff but they're really i believe that they're really a resource so that we can live intentionally um because we have incarnated in these bodies with a purpose. And and that's my belief. Some people think there is no purpose and that's fine. But I believe we're here. We're like on this little adventure journey thing to like evolve slowly. And this infinite source of possibility um, we can use as a map of what we have already experienced, what our soul has already gone through so that today we don't repeat our mistakes and we can grow and throw out ripple effects that are actually beneficial for people around us. So that's a really weird way of explaining what the Akashic Records are. But that's that's pretty much what they are. And today, I started off as um, reading for myself and then reading for others. And now I'm mainly only focused on teaching others how to how to read their own records so they can connect with themselves fully. And I've I've gone into teaching others how to read for others, just just so like the expansion continues and the word goes out and people have this amazing tool to connect with their soul, the deepest part of themselves so that they can live a beautiful, intentional life. Mm -hmm. <laughs> and that's what I do. And that's my story. <laughs> like, wow, I had a lot of coffee today. <laughs> it's it's part of your story. And I appreciate you sharing it with me and the <laughs> listeners and us and the journey and the openness to the path. Like, the, thank you. I don't know where this is going to lead me. And this is where I am. And then I'm going like, I just appreciate that a lot about you and, and how you describe the Akasha, the Akasha and Akashic records. And what you named about your own sort of trauma, grief, loss, and healing journey. And I, I think maybe many people sort of seek out resources or they find us when we're, you know, in the midst of, of 
trauma, grief, loss, um, crisis. And that's certainly how I, when I first started, you know, reading about the Akasha and I was sort of seeking out all of these different tools. And this was in 2016, maybe when I got the, my first books about um, mm-hmm. Akasha and um, just, I was in a place of like deep loss and grief and really looking for support and thought, oh, this might, this could be something, but I didn't necessarily understand what I was reading. And I think one of the reasons I was drawn to you from listening to the podcast that I, where I first learned of you and, and learned about your work, I'm really picky about my teachers because I'm like a black person in America and part of spiritual communities that bypass all of the time. Yep. And, um, you know, part of the wellness community that sort of sells us this idea of what wellness is, which is false often, right? Yep. It's not about our wholeness or our spirits. Nope. It's like divorced from that in some way. And there was, I was like, this is a real human who like, I just heard it. I don't even remember what you said in that podcast that made me be like, I'm going to take Rohini's class. Like, I want to oh. learn more about Rohini. Like, I went to your website that night when I got to the <laughs> hotel in Richmond. I remember all of it. And I was like, this is really profound. And there was something I heard in what you said that let me know you weren't bypassing our reality, no. even as you understand we are like... Um, particles of the universe, you also know we're in bodies having a human experience. Like I heard that. I don't know if you said it that way, but I heard that. And I was like, this is the teacher I want to learn from. And I would love for you to talk some about that because when I say that, I mean, I don't ever know that it was an option for you to bypass. So I'm not going to assume that um, because I don't actually believe that. But like, how do you one sort of respond to that and how it shows up with different healing modalities, including Mm. the Akasha and the work that you do and what supports you in like being in integrity as you do this. Um, Does that make sense? Those they're like, two questions. no, that, that really does make sense a lot. And to be honest with you, when I was first in the deepest part of grief, where I was trying to find something to like help me. I remember asking like in meditation one day, I'm like, show me, like I was connecting to like the deepest part of my heart. I called in Rishi, I called in Ananda Maimana. I asked like, show me how I can heal this pain. Um, And that's when the Akasha Records came in. But when I first started like experimenting, there was a lot of bypassing going on. And that at first I was like, okay, maybe that's the way I'm supposed to be. Maybe that's what I need to get over this pain. But it felt like shoving it down into like a suitcase or something and hiding it, which made it like just want to jump out more. And I'm like, that's really, I'm going to listen to myself now because I feel like my whole life I've been shutting myself up and not listening to myself thinking I'm less than that these people around me like know more than I do and the bypassing stuff the not being fully grounded in like reality um stuff is so freaking harmful that I decided that I'm going to investigate as I learn and speak up against it and I know like in the beginning when I started teaching about the Akasha, I was I was not teaching it correctly either because I was just like regurgitating information I had learned at times, you know? And then as I got I grew deeper and deeper into my practice, I was like, oh my goodness, there's something wrong. Like 
with what's happening here and I can see why um like new age spirituality is shunned like amongst like bigger crowds because there is like a scammy vibe to it at times mm -hmm. you know what I mean mm -hmm. and I think it ha it's strictly tied to this bypassing like so just to like the the learnings the teachings that I learned were directly connected to the theosophical society and I learned this through major investigation and deep soul searching it was like holy moly okay but why does it sound why do these teachings sound so familiar like they're directly tied to this thing why do they sound so familiar and as i grew with my investigation i learned that some of the founders like helena blavatsky who everyone talks about and um those um theodore i can't remember his last name um, and Bailey, um, these people who really modernized the Akashic Records or really named it the Akashic Records, really. Mm -hmm. Not that Helena did, actually. It was Anne Bailey who, who first mentioned it. But these people um, believe in something really horrible and are pretty they're pr pretty much colonizing information they would go to different countries they would learn about their culture and take parts of it that could be marketed and resold which is like it it now even talking about it puts like the biggest pit in my stomach because i regurgitated some of the stuff they said and i'm like oh my gosh i was a part of that and the reason it sounded familiar is because it's taken like directly from hinduism and buddhism like this life path, like of, of the yogis, the Vedas, like all thousands of years of information that really is scientific because right. it's been tested through time. Little tiny bits of it are picked out and resold and rebranded. And now like I, I'm having a hard time stepping in that community and speaking about it even because there is a lot of, there's a lot of information that is more geared towards the Theosophical Society. So let's just to like reel it in a little bit, like one of the biggest things they talk about is the star seed stuff in the Theosophical Society. That stuff makes me want to throw up and people don't see that that is directly, directly a pipeline to like um, fascism, Nazism, you know, mm -hmm. where there's these stars seeds that are living on certain planets and it's only one race on each planet and like they get you know they give personalities to like it makes me want to throw up like <laughs> so a lot of times when i when i talk to people about akashic readings and stuff too like one of the first questions they ask is can you tell me what type of star seed i am like what planet i'm from and like oh it's gonna take hours for me to like explain <laughs> to you <laughs> No. That this isn't real. <laughs> I can't. Mm -mm. I can't. So right now, like in the past year even, I've backed off and I've been like reframing how to teach about this ancient modality without also being a colonizer, you know, because I don't want to just take, I know it was a part of my upbringing and that's how I grew up and I traveled all around, but I am not of indigenous Indian descent. You know, it, is it my job even to teach this? So that's what I've been struggling with. And that's how I keep myself in check is like, let's, ex I'm just going to explore myself right now before I output anymore and explore like where this 
beautiful tool came from and explore like the practices that have worked for me and then I can like go out and share per like very personal um, findings rather than regurgitated information and I think that's what's really wrong <laughs> with the mm -hmm. new age spirituality is that there's no grounding it is just constant regurgitated information like over and over again and that's all we're getting and it's really it's really making people go crazy and and like not know how to discern how to like see information for what it is so here we are and that's my long-winded answer <laughs> it's not it was not long-winded and it i appreciate your the, your answer to that question and i think about this a lot as somebody who is a yoga practitioner and and teacher which doesn't even i don't even know if i should call myself a teacher in that way anymore and i struggle with these questions as i've like evolved in my own practice and learned a lot more about cultural appropriation yeah. in the context of yoga because i knew about it before but not in the context of yoga or hadn't applied it in that way yeah. when i when i first learned about it wasn't presented in that way and so i think it's so important to have these questions about how we how we connect to this work and um, why we're connected to it and how we're teaching it, if we're teaching it or even talking about it yeah. um, and to understand history as well. Um, and to, to like not regurgitate, right? Like what yeah. is you need to practice and then to be like, and practice and practice and practice and then go out and talk about it. But I struggle with some of the same things from, of course, a different social location and identities, but struggle with that as well. And, and of course, people bypassing that we are in this reality and things are happening and <sighs> harm is happening all of the time and we can't transcend it. We're not there. That's not what's going on. You know so what the thing is? spoke about it. I'm so sorry that to interrupt, but um, when you brought up bypassing again, it really made me remember why it, it is a big trigger. It's just for me, like the, what I see in, in that lens of the bypassing is like, children are not allowed to express their emotions. Their emotions are constantly suppressed and told like, hey, you know, don't cry. Why are you crying? Don't do this, don't do that. So when they grow up as adults and like something traumatic, like a pandemic happens, they're not able to feel their emotions. They have this awakening, but they're not able to ground and feel what they're really feeling. So they're shooting off into the universe and trying to figure out what other life they have to like connect to. And that's really what's happening is like the lack of connection to like the real true essence that self, that child we really are inside. You know, mm -hmm. it's been mm -hmm. so neglected. It's so neglected. Like, why? Their children are some of the smartest beings on this planet. We should just true. be learning. It's <laughs> yeah. true and listening, right? And that part has been suppressed. And and then the coping you're talking about that's maladaptive, but that people do to be like, I'm not going to be in this reality. I'm going to go yeah. to that reality, and it it doesn't work. <laughs> It doesn't work that way. And that's temporary if we if we sort of believe we can go to and I'm somebody who's like, I'm in a body and I'm spirit and I know that and I feel yep. that. So <laughs> I'm coming from that place too. I'm not just having this experience in this realm. Mm -hmm. I believe that. And I'm here talking to you through Zoom. You know what I mean? And and yeah. we're here. <laughs> yeah. So I need to stay grounded in that. <laughs> so I don't just go off into some other realm and stay there. Yeah. Can't but deal it's with both. what's going on. It's both. It's both. You know, that's what the yin and the yang is. That's what everything like balance, harmony. It's like living in the center of that, not 
totally grounded and unaware of our spiritual body or not just in our spiritual body and unaware of our like grounded human body. You know, it's like right at the center of that. And that's where the heart is, as you know, that's living from the heart. That's what it means, like being a part of the full facet of self, being that grounded human, being that spirit, like living right at the center. And like, if we live right at the center, it's only love that we're like rippling out. So it's just a more fun way to live too, like coming from that place constantly. It's hard to stay there though, it's hard. It's like the world shakes you up and it's it's not an easy world to live in, but it's also not a easy spiritual world to live in either. Right. Right. That's real. I love that. It made me think about the Bhagavad Gita and the body and the spirit. I was like, oh yeah, that's what Krishna said. Yeah. I love Krishna. I know. Krishna's like, you're both. So figure it out. Don't be too over here or over there. Like, what do you need to do right now in this moment? Because this is happening. So I want to ask you about, you mentioned the pandemic and and of course, there are many pandemics and things going on, have been going on. And I'm curious to know if you have, and I imagine you have, opened the records to, to better understand what is happening right now. No. Mm-mm. I really don't. I don't go... I don't go outside of that. You know what I've been asking about mainly is just like about the makings of the universe and like the spirit and like how I'm connected to that. And that's what I've really been exploring these days because I really don't want to know about the pandemic. I want to like ride it, you know, and I don't want to know about, yeah, about what's happening on this planet right now, to be honest, because I feel that I can be more clear if I'm present rather than, you know, going there. Mm-hmm. Does that make sense? Like, because I don't know, I've I've gone through this like big phase of like, in the beginning, I was asking about personal trauma, you know, my relationship to it. I was doing fun stuff like I'm going to open the records of this crystal, like things like that. And at a certain point, it was just like, okay how is that like really helping anybody here mm-hmm. right now? So I started like really digging deeper with like my relationship to spirit, what spirit is. Like I want to know about the makings of the particles and how um, how I'm a part of it and how we're all a part of it. And I think that's been my main focus at this point. It's just I want to feel that oneness and that's what I've been going in for. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I love that practice and answer and, um, to the question, because I think it's a much more expansive way of understanding where we, where we are. Yeah. Um, and even the essence of who we are, like, that's what I felt in your response. Um, and so love that you're asking about the particles and spirit and what is spirit. And I think that, and maybe that's not what how it feels for you. It just was like, oh, this is a way you're relating to exactly what's happening right now has been these patterns that have been in place for a long time. We are asking these questions that come from a much more expansive place because yeah, this is not the only thing that is happening right now. And, and we are bigger than this and we're acting certain things out as well. Yeah. We are in it though, you know? Right. I think, yeah, that's, I mean, I'm already in it, it feels like. And I don't know. It's been um, it's been interesting because after after Rishi passed, 
for me personally, this is a very personal experience, but like, it feels like one thing after another, like a lot of hits, you know, like where after like so many, like, oh, like revelations really of, of the world that we live in. They're just revelations of the world that we live in. Cause like the pandemic is just a revelation of how this world is being run and like what's happening. Like um, Black Lives Matter movement, like everything that was happening, like now we have floods everywhere and like fire season and, you know, just all this stuff that's happening is a revelation of how we're living because as above, so below. So it's just like the, the collective energy we are putting together is bringing out our environment so how can we like really fix that how can we connect to like that part of ourselves and you know the more i explore this idea too and i'll never know in this body just to put it out there i don't think i know anything actually i just want to like see things and like feel the different <laughs> aspects but um the more i explore these ideas like the more obvious it becomes how like the spirit is actually like very neutral it's not like a good like godlike character or like a bad demon like character or anything like that and like we sway it we sway it with mm -hmm. our output but it's not just about us it's about the collective so it's just like it's like a really you know what i mean because a lot of like new age spirituality is like it's you, you are in control right. of your reality. You, 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 you're like, ah, I recycle, I do this. It's like, it's the collective, <laughs> it's like the bigger output. And it's so systematic, you know, like that we need to explore those parts, I think, and figure out how we can, how we can affect the systematic stuff that is ruining our lives and our planet. <laughs> mm -hmm. Mm -hmm these horrible systems that have been put in place intentionally it is just sickening to think about and like how ingrained they are and how much work there is to be done and that's what that's when it does become an individual thing too it's not just like mm -hmm. bypass it and say i'm not going to do it because it is a collective thing no it's about knowing that like when you put in the work you got to connect with community to make the work bigger you know mm -hmm. that's right <laughs> That's right. Yeah. Those are those are the places I'm at these days. <laughs> Getting angry and then going like, okay, we got to get angry, but like go back to that heart center so we can actually make an impact <laughs> so that this work isn't rooted in anger, you know? <laughs> mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. I hear you. I think about these things a lot and then yeah. the heart and how to stay grounded and how anger can be a force that propels us forward yeah. um, or begins our awakening, right? Yeah. Um, which is often tied to grief too and what people have have lost or what we've lost as a collective or what we anticipate losing. I want to ask you about joy. And I'm asking this because of what you just named about spirit and and part of why you think you're here like is to feel and, and see and experience things. But I'm also asking because I remember from the podcast interview where I initially learned about you and from the class I took and from today, 
I remember your laugh. Like you, you're, you laugh a lot. And I don't know where, I don't want to presume to know where that comes from because that could mean a hundred different things. And I noticed it and I was like, oh, Rohini is bringing me joy. Like your laughter. Oh, and yeah. And so I, I, and I'm not saying that equates to joy. I just am sort of thinking about it and witnessing it. And, and like also the grief you've moved, you've moved through and probably are still moving through. It's not, mm-hmm time limited. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm wondering what's bringing you joy amid all the things that are going on, the bypassing, the pandemic, the change, <laughs> all the things as you're like understanding your spirit, what is bringing joy? I love you? this. Thank you for saying that and noticing that. Um, I've had this laugh since I was a child and I think this this laugh is directly connected to joy. But it's it's my connection to my spirit. So it's I'm letting her live. I'm not suppressing her. No matter what's happening, I'll always give her space to laugh because I think it's important. I think it it opens up our heart. <laughs> mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. You know, it's so important. And I it's funny. My sister has the same laugh. My mom has the same laugh. It's like a we we grew up learning that it's okay to laugh really because a lot of times you know that's also suppressed but we were well as we were growing up it was um the muslim revolution where there's like bombs falling outside of our window we're watching them like my school got bombed and things like that so it's um one of the things that were upheld in our household um was making each other laugh so it's it's always been my comfort. It's like I know if I laugh, I'll feel good. <laughs> yeah, I do it all the time. <laughs> and it, I mean, made I was like, it made me feel good every time. I heard, I was like, who is this person in the podcast? And when you were oh, like, I was thanks. like, who is this? And it was partially your laugh. I'm sure is what connected oh. um, me to you. And like, what is? Because I could feel the joy. I just didn't want to presume that as I was asking the question because Thank people you. do laugh for different reasons. But I. Now that you've you've sort of shared more and explained it, um, it does feel like it's joyous and it and it does connect to the heart and what you named about not suppressing your laugh and this the, your spirit is so powerful um, because you. of all of the messaging that we might receive about not feeling joy, not laughing, like the parts that we suppress. And this leads me to um, and it might be my my final question. You mentioned earlier you are reconnecting with parts of yourself. I can't remember exactly how you said it, but maybe not previous versions of who you were, but like you're reconnecting to parts of yourself that maybe you haven't connected to in a while. And I'm wondering what those parts are. Like, what are you reconnecting? Uh, I go through this like once a year where I just do like um, a week of like different chakra meditations. But the part of me that I had neglected like completely was really um, my little self, like zero to seven, you know? And I really, for some reason, I thought she wasn't smart enough, like she doesn't know anything. But the more I get to know her, like I'm bringing her along now. And as I move her more towards myself and bring her along, I feel that childlike curiosity, that joy, that like um, 
sense of adventure for life. You know, no matter what's happening, like there's, it's just something, something is going to happen. And I'm like, I'm up for it. And through that, like, I've been making friends with like my teenage self, which pff, see, even now I'm like, pff, I'm like, she was bad, <laughs> but she wasn't. She was just going through stuff, you know, hormone mm -hmm. stuff. And then like reconnecting with my twenties where I'm like, she made all these mistakes. Like she partied a lot, you know, it's like, who cares? Like she had right. so much fun, more fun than anyone, you know? <laughs> so it's really all aspects of myself. So I can, I am, to be honest with you, like this reconnection comes not only from a like neglect of, of the self through life, but the yearning for healing, which is like really bad for the psyche, in my opinion, as as I experienced, where I'm just like, I need to heal this. This was bad in my life. I need to heal that. I need to heal that. And it becomes this like constant like loop of seeking something outside of ourselves. And I realized that I'm never going to be healed. As you even mentioned, like going through this grief, like it's never going to be like, I am healed now. I right. did all the work. That's right. <laughs> it's just going to, it's just something we live with and move forward with. So it's more about accepting now. And, you know, early on, I fell into like the whole cycle of like shadow work, which is so, I don't, it hurts somebody who is going through post traumatic stress disorder. Mm -hmm. It hurts people who are neurodivergent. You know, it hurts it hurts us to keep seeking like how to fix something that is wrong with us, you know, quote unquote. Right. So it was doing that too much that brought me to a place just to be like, I'm just gonna like like all the parts of myself now instead of be like I suppress this or not. Like I'm just gonna bring them in and hug them because I, I think everybody just needs a hug. Can we all just like hug each other right now? <laughs> <laughs> That's where I'm at with it these days. Mm -hmm. So it's all aspects, even future self, the old lady who probably makes a whole bunch of mistakes. You know, like you know, I love her too. Hopefully she'll be an old lady. Hopefully we'll make it that far. Who knows? Mm -hmm. But. Mm -hmm. <laughs> She lives in my mind and she's accepted by me. <laughs> mm. I love this and this idea of accepting who we are and being in our wholeness and not buying into because it feels connected to capitalism in a lot yep. of ways. This idea that we need to be fixed. Yeah. Um, or that, that something's is. broken or wrong uh, mm -hmm. with us. And that the journey of healing is ongoing um, yeah. and hugging, I'm sort of visualizing hugging different parts of myself or you doing that for yourself, what you named, yeah. which really, yeah. And it makes, it reminds me this morning, my dog Jasper, you can't see him, but he's on the ground next to me <sighs> and he's curled up on his cushion. And uh, we went on a walk this morning and I saw one of my neighbors and, and she, he loves this person and Jasper really doesn't love everyone or express his love for everyone he but he like loves her he loved her the, from the moment he met her he like jumped on her she, he recognizes her from some of the other lifetime i'm convinced and she's playful <laughs> he loves that and this morning we saw her and she was like and he wanted to walk up her driveway and um she's like i need a hug from from Jasper, so Jasper went up to her and and he like kissed her. You're the, everyone needs a hug, maybe because it just happened this morning, and I was like, oh, 
the power of that and how he was like, I'm going up there. And she was like, I actually needed a hug from him. She didn't hug me. We didn't hug. We'll hug later. <laughs> wanted a hug from Jasper and how his little spirit intuited that and knew. Oh. So there's that heart centered connection is what I was thinking about. You know, animals are so special in that way where they sense it. And you know, with dogs, doesn't it feel like they have this ability to soak in your pain mm -hmm. and like alchemize it back into love? Like they have this like grand ability. It's insane, you know? They and if, really do. And they, they, they soak in pain no matter what. But if they don't receive the love back, then they just hold it in, you know? So it's like just yeah. that petting and hugging them and like letting them know you love them like releases that for them too. So it's like this like collaborative relationship i love oh my gosh i used to call myself a cat person not even understanding the difference you know just just because i had a cat but after having like <laughs> a dog now I'm like oh my god the amount of love <laughs> yeah it's different energy than a cat although cats yeah. are lovely um different energy they just totally. bring a different quality to it like i'll leave your take you like they yeah. just do a different thing than cats dogs. are like our guides you know like they yes. guide you towards something and then dogs are like they help us heal <laughs> like it's like yeah we help them heal like it's yeah it's so sweet it is it is well thank you for taking time to be and to be in this <laughs> space with me thank you for your presence and your energy and your wisdom um and spirit lovely to connect with you. Thank you so much for having me, Michelle. It's always a pleasure to sit with you. Thank you. Thank you so much for listening to this episode of Finding Refuge. If you are enjoying the podcast, I encourage you to share it with friends and family members and to rate it on iTunes. In addition to sharing about this podcast, you can support my work in the world by becoming a patron on Patreon. You can find me there as Michelle C. Johnson, Skill in Action, Yoga and Social Justice. I offer monthly movement and meditation practices, as well as a monthly divination reading. Lastly, I want to share that I have a new book coming out in April of 2023. We Heal Together. Rituals and Practices for Building Community and Connection. It is currently available for pre-order and you can go to the Penguin Random House website, search Michelle Johnson or We Heal Together and pre-order my book. There are several spaces you can pre-order it from. Thank you so much and take care.